Welcome to Day 2 Cloud, and man, we got a show for you. We're going deep in infrastructure as code, dealing with networking, cloud networking, connecting cloud environments, and we're doing it with sponsor Packet Fabric. Our guest today is Anna Claiborne, founder. A lot of this is uh, is her thing, her idea, her passion, and Ned, this was one heck of an interview. Yeah, she really nerded out and went deep on some of the networking technology. I'm glad you could follow her because a few times I was like, I'm a little lost here. (laughs) But then we came back up for air. And the main thing was the tech is cool, right? But the way that they present it to you is way simpler than previous networks you might have had to manage and connect. So that was the main takeaway for me is, yes, the cool stuff is there. No, you don't have to deal with it. So enjoy this interview with Anna Claiborne. She's the co-founder, CTO, and CPO at Packet Fabric. And again, we are going to nerd out a lot, but don't get lost in that because at the end of the day, the whole point of this is how easy it is to build a multi-cloud WAN that interconnects all the things with Packet Fabric. Well, Anna, welcome to Day 2 Cloud. We are very glad to have you on the show today. And, and you're a founder. That means this whole packet fabric thing, it's at least partially your fault. So let's go back in time. <laughs> Set us up, Anna. What was the year and what problems were you facing that drove you to start packet fabric? Well, the uh, the year was 2015, um, back a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And the pro- the problem was, is it's kind of a, you know, this has been the problem with networking, not just in 2015, but pretty much forever, is that it is, um, it's a very long process. It's not an API driven thing. It's not a modern thing. Network technology is rooted back at the very start of the internet. And it really hasn't, um, really hasn't evolved much from there. And so the thing, the the inspiration for starting Packet Fabric was how do we make a network look and feel like software? How do we make it like cloud compute? Because, you know, that's the evolution that we just got done watching, you know, back from, you know, starting in like 2010, um, was watching cloud grow up and going from racking and stacking servers to all of a sudden that you have a UI where you can click to provision or you have an API where you can spin up a thousand servers. And so the, the basic problem statement was, how do we make network like that? You know, how do we do that thing? And if we're talking 2010 to 2015 timeframe, software-defined networking was, we could say, making some inroads. And so maybe there was some inspiration there. There was, but software-defined networking really, I mean, that term has been, I feel like it's been so abused. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's yes. been so abused and, so, and turned into so many different things. And you know, it was a it was originally meant to be um, you know more on like the LAN side for you know actually like how do you how do you adjust your traffic dynamically according to traffic patterns and things like that that was that was more the original inspiration for for SDN and then it just got kind of used everywhere <laughs> for everything. Right, right. And if we're talking about that 2015 timeframe, I'm thinking I was probably working on some Microsoft Azure deployments at that time. And spinning up network stuff inside Azure was amazing. All I had to do was submit an ARM template and boom, I had all the VNets I wanted, all the subnets I wanted, every address space. And one project I specifically remember working on was, okay, we have all that, but we want to set up a direct connect, an express route connection to Azure. And that took two months. Yep. I could set up all the networking I wanted in Azure in two minutes, but Setting up that circuit, two months. So uh, yeah, I, I agree. That kind of sucked. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, but networking is always the long pull in the tent, right? Whatever you're doing, it's always like, oh, we have to wait for the network. Oh, we have to get more network. And it's always this, it's always this huge time investment, both on like the sales side, you know, even to get a price for, you know, how much does a circuit cost? It It's a, you know, minimum time investment of two months <laughs> to go in and find a salesperson <laughs> And negotiate that and it's like it's complete insanity that um something still takes that long in this day and age you know they're faxing you a price list here let me know. <laughs> yeah the land stuff is bad and the wan stuff that we're talking about right even worse and of course they want you to sign a contract and you know the lead times and all the rest of it so i, I think we're getting a sense of the problem statement here anna that you were wanting to, to uh address how can we make network function more like cloud? Okay, there's the setup. So lay it on us. What is it, Packet Fabric? In a nutshell, what is Packet Fabric? So what is Packet Fabric? We are doing for networking what the big cloud providers did for compute. And that that is the entirety of the elevator pitch. And that right now we're primarily focused on the WAN. So that's point-to-point circuits, metro ethernet type circuits equivalents, Private, like uh, there's a flavor of private peering in there too. Cloud connectivity. So both like hybrid cloud connectivity and multi-cloud connectivity. So making that whole universe of different WAN connectivity, no matter what it is you need to connect to, whether that's co-location and cloud or cloud and cloud or off branch office and cloud, making that all accessible via an API and a UI so that you can interact with it programmatically, mm. or you can go in and tap some buttons and have that connectivity, you know, actually up and running in a minute, or you can increase the capacity in a minute, whatever it is that you need to do, it's instant. So, so you know what you know what's what's wrong with this model, Anna, is I'm really gonna miss calling a WAN provider and getting the onboarding process where I'm on with some tech who has no idea about anything about my circuit and has no idea why it won't come up and I'm on hold for hours. I'm going to miss that tremendously. Well, what about the camaraderie that you gain when you get to have the really big provisioning calls because then <laughs> that one didn't work. So then you get to get a lot more people on the yeah. subsequent call <laughs> from both sides so that everybody can hang out and chat about what's not working. That's... Uh, well. Yeah, 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 that camaraderie. It's I mean, that's important to build that in the industry. Actually, with all of that, you do find that there's people working around the corner that you didn't know. It's a small <laughs> world after all and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't need that much more camaraderie anyway. Uh, there's so much implied in what you said, Anne, about how I can use Packet Fabric to revision a, a circuit. And we're going to get into some more details here. But uh, I was doing homework on Packet Fabric, you know, reading on your site. And one of the things you say over and over again, carrier class. Uh, Okay, what does carrier class mean? Why do I care about that? Well, like we talked about before with the whole SDN term being somewhat used and abused is that there's a whole suite of, you know, over the top sort of WAN solutions available today where, you know, you can do things, really modern things like build VPN tunnels over the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And by modern, I mean not modern, like, you know, people building... IPsec tunnels over the internet for ages, um, but it has been repackaged a lot lately and sold and sold as, you know, it's a brand new solution that is going to yeah. give you, you know, this whole wide, wonderful world yeah. when, you know, in, in reality, um, you still are at the, you, you still are at the whim of the internet. 
uh, and subject to everything that the internet is subject to, you know, DDoS attacks, man in the middle attacks, you know, dramatic changes in latency, outages, you know, all these things still are, are still a big impact. Whereas, you know, and everyone knows this is that, you know, that's why you go to a private line, private circuit, you know, for the applications that are really critical or to move traffic, you know, between different co-locations facilities on your backbone or to connect to a cloud provider directly, mm-hmm. um, you move to a private circuit too, so that you can have that low latency, dependable latency connection. And so that's what carrier class really means is that we've built our network from the ground up. We are not the internet and you know, we're not relying on that. We, okay. we, we have our own dark fiber. We run our own DWDM equipment. We run our own Ethernet network on top of that to provide services, and we built all the software for it. So it's really the the term is imparting that we are a full fledged telecom network, not uh, not some software that runs something over the internet. Okay, you you built your own thing from the ground up. Then does that mean you're going to give me some kind of an SLA guarantee? Yes. We have we have an excellent SLA that's actually available on our website. You can there you don't have to talk to anyone to get it. You just have to go to packetfabric.com and click the SLA link and you can read all about it. And I imagine building a network up from the ground, that gives you an opportunity to make a lot of smart decisions and make things a little bit easier for folks who want to consume a circuit from Packet Fabric. What what does it look like from the consumer standpoint? If I go to your website. Can I just spin up a circuit sight unseen or, or what is there a, a longer, more involved process that I, I would typically expect? Nope. You can build a point to point 100 gig from L.A. to New York right now, and it will be ready in one minute. OK. <laughs> <laughs> you could do or you if you wanted to do a couple hundred gigs, you know, you could build a multi 100 gig connection over to London. You could build, uh, you know, multiple hundred gigs in Europe. You could do the same in the U.S. You could build an entire backbone, you know, continent-spanning backbone. Okay, but I would have to sign up for like a, a year at least, right, to to get to have that amount of bandwidth allocated to me. Nope, it's uh, month-to-month terms, like any modern SaaS type <laughs> thing you would expect. It is a month-to-month term if you if you don't need it next month. I just. That's don't don't use the next month. Wow. Then that's, don't use the next month. <laughs> that is very different than my two month experience. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I mean, that's like, that's one of the things that has, I, that I think makes everybody, um, I don't know. It's just one of the antiquated carryovers from telecom is that everything's locked in for year, multi-year. I mean, there's five-year agreements that happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not, that's not a modern agile feeling thing when you're signing an agreement for five years. How, like, does anyone really know what their network is going to look like in five years or three years? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and if they say they do, they're lying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. I I mean, d- things change so fast, especially, you know, with everything with migrations to cloud and moving applications to cloud and trying to figure out what that right balance is between, you know, what do I have in co-location? What do I have in Amazon? What do I have in Azure? What do I have in Google? Like there's a lot of dynamic activity happening right now and to have your network be the thing that takes six months to adjust in between all these changes is just unworkable. You're leading me to the next question here because the elephant in the room is 
I need to have my stuff somewhere that Packet Fabric is. That is, you're probably not if I have some on-prem facility in, I don't know, New York somewhere. You, you may or may not be there. You're probably not. So what is it that I can actually connect together with Packet Fabric? You've mentioned some of it, you know, multi-cloud stuff. And uh, walk us through how that works. Where we are right now is we are in 190 sites across Australia, US, and Europe. So those are multi-tenant co-location facilities. And we're also connected to all of the major cloud on-ramps in Australia, United States, and Europe in all those locations. So essentially that means we're available with every major cloud provider. So that's Amazon, Azure, Google, Oracle, IBM. We -hmm. also have several of the alternative clouds um, with us like Vulture and Linode too. Vulture, yay. Yeah, I love Vulture, Linode, both those are are fabulous. And so that means that you can access us from any of those multi-tenant co-location facilities, any of those cloud providers. We also have deployments with some large enterprises where we go in into their private data centers and pop those. Mm -hmm. And so not only do we bring the whole ecosystem you know, to them, but also they get then access to all these things that they never had the ability to get to before, like connect directly to SaaS providers. Like if they're using Microsoft Office plug directly into, you know, into that data center, they, they oh, have that, the that kind of stuff is so handy. I worked at a, a, a fintech at one point and we had a pop right on site from uh, three carriers were in there. And that was awesome for, you know, getting good latency and good performance of certain of our customers. Yeah, that's that, that's cool stuff. Yeah. And this is yeah. And this is bringing not just three carriers. This is bringing, uh, you know, dozens of carriers and, you know, with mm. the one packet fabric prop brings in dozens of carriers, you know, all the major clouds a bunch of SaaS companies, a bunch of security companies, uh, you know, our entire ecosystem. So it really... That's all dark fiber that you've lit to uh, connect these facilities? In the metros, it's all dark. Um, We run all, so all of our own dark. On the long haul spans, we typically do spectrum. So that's, Mm -hmm. we're actually getting a, you know, a a specific wavelength. Yeah, you're getting Um, a light wave, yeah. Yeah, we're getting a light wave to do the really long spans. So those are cross-country spans. And then there's some... There's some little corner cases where we're using uh, just like traditional 100 gig waves um, from, you know, from service providers because we can't get either of the aforementioned, you know, two preferred things. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you have, you know, connection into all the major clouds. And typically, if I wanted to connect into a major cloud, you know, if I was using AWS, I would provision a direct connect circuit into my existing Mm -hmm. network. What would the advantage be of using packet fabric to get that connectivity into AWS as opposed to going and getting the, the circuit myself? So I don't know how I don't know how much you've done this, but we're like every cloud providers, um, you know, whether it's direct connect, express route, every cloud provider has a different program for this. They have different pricing, they have different APIs, a different UI. And it's also a if you're doing it yourself. It is a slow process. You have to go, you have to get the LOA from them. You have to run the cross connect. The big clouds make it abundantly clear that they don't prefer to deal with individual customers (laughs) and and will make that experience uh, less desirable. So you're usually talking weeks, you know, which is, which is fast for the networking world, right? You know, you're talking weeks to work through these issues and finally get your circuit set up and running. 
worth packet fabric, you literally just go to the web interface or the API. And again, 60 seconds later, you have your 10 gigs of express route that you can start using right now. Right. So there's a huge time to market component. And then also just dealing with, again, you know, if you're going to be sizing or changing that circuit up and down, or if you're dealing with multiple clouds, it's really nice to have one interface, one user interface, one API to deal with all those multiple clouds hmm. instead of having to remember the caveats and the, you know, the quirkiness and the unique snowflakiness of every one of those things that you're dealing with. So that's one of the things that I've heard, at least from customers that, especially in the multi-cloud environments, they really like the fact that they are able to use, you know, single API, single UI to cover everything that they're doing. Okay. Okay. And would I ever use, uh, you know, one of the other things you can do is you can have direct connect to multiple AWS regions. So maybe I have one to US East and then one over in EU. Is that something you can set up? For me, as opposed to me trying to manage that mess as well. It depends on the situation. You know, it's all, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. You know, you can use packet fabric network to use that to go over to Europe and then actually onboard to the cloud network there. And it really depends on like what sort of latency goals you're trying to achieve. Because a lot of times, the, you know, the one of the primary drivers, and we actually have a cool video that shows this too, is, you know, for direct connect, people just think about it in terms of like latency. Oh, well, I want a low latency connection. But the thing that is not thought about a lot is the fact of that predictable latency is what yields better throughput for TCP based transfers, right? So, you know, when like latency changes, you're constant, you know, that's going to affect your actual TCP throughput. And the longer that latency is, you know, the worse the, the, the throughput gets, but especially so when it's short and stable, that's when you get the best throughput. And when you're doing you know, especially if you're trying to run applications across clouds or if you're running a hybrid cloud type applications where you have something in a co-location and something in a cloud, that throughput of data becomes really important. Is there anything you can do about the egress fees on AWS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, 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 I can. So the great thing about the egress fees is that with every cloud provider, they are substantially less over their direct connectivity product than they are over the internet. So, okay. yeah. So not only do you get like these better data transfer speeds, but you're paying less ultimately for the data transfer. Hmm. So it's cheaper and faster. <laughs> Whoa. I, I didn't think that was allowed. Isn't there some sort of like pyramid where you're not allowed I, to do that? <laughs> I know. I <laughs> So, and I want to get under the hood here. What, what What is this thing that I'm buying from Packet Fabric? Describe the service. Is it like, uh, is it L3 VPN? Is it VPLS? What, what What's happening down there with all this automation and magic? So it depends on the product. Let's start with a point-to-point, -point, right? Mm -hmm. So a point-to-point -point is just a, it's a martini pseudo-wire. So that, that would be L2 then. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, pseudo-wire. Yeah. Looks to me like a switch port. Yes, and you can pass pretty much, I mean, there's like a couple of really like, crazy edge case exceptions, but any layer two protocol, anything that you could pass over a Martini pseudo wire, you can pass over that. And mm -hmm. so it's great for, that's like, it's something that's very comparable to, you know, buying a wave or, you know, any other telecom type circuit that you would buy. That is the just connect point A to point B. And I want to throw a bunch of junk over it. Okay. So that's an option. Um, yeah. Give me, give me some other options. So that's uh, one virtual circuit. So the point-to-point -point is one virtual circuit, right? It's a point, mm -hmm. uh, it's a port on the A side, 
portal on the Z side, one virtual circuit between it. Then we also have, and that's what's commonly re referred to in math definitions as EPL, Ethernet private line. Yep. And then we also have an EVPL based product, you know, a uh, virtual private line. So you can do multiple connections from one port. And so what that means that you can do is if you have one port in say a co-location facility, you can use one virtual circuit to connect to Amazon. You can use one virtual circuit to connect to your other co-location facility, whether that's in the metro or across the country. And then you can use another virtual circuit to connect to Azure. You're saying virtual circuits, so not a big broadcast domain like a VPLS, it doesn't sound like? No, no, it's the virtual circuit itself. The easiest way to think of it, you know, it's just, it's a VLAN, right? Yeah. So you're getting, yeah, so you're getting just a VLAN. Every virtual circuit is on its own isolated VLAN. And those VLANs also don't have to match coming in and going out because we're, you know, we're popping the tag and pushing on a new one. So you can do your own independent VLAN schemes in between, uh, you know, your internal network and what's going over Packet Fabric too. Like you can match them, not match them. Just Q and Q? We do Q and Q as well. Mm -hmm. And so that was initially developed because of Microsoft Express Road, actually. You know, I was talking about each of the cloud providers being their own special snowflake. <laughs> well... <laughs> Microsoft did express route in a, in a way that is not like any of the other cloud providers. And so you have to use STAG on it. And so we developed QNQ functionality for that. And that's part of our ENNI product lines. Again, we try to stick to the math definitions, even though the yeah. math definitions drive me crazy. You know, it's like <laughs> the great thing about standards is that there's so many to choose from. That's like my favorite line ever. But anyway, we decided, you know, we, you know, we use MEF because it's generally well understood. Yeah. MEF for the, in case there's day two cloud listeners who don't live in the networking space, Metro Ethernet forum, right, Anna? Yes. Yes. Okay. One of the multitude of standards bodies out there for networking. <laughs> right. So many. So you've described a point-to-point -point service, a point-to-multi-point service, which are both layer two-ish. Um, yes. is, is there a straight up layer three service? Yes, the so layer three service is our cloud router service. Okay. And we're running a verf for you. Okay. So, yeah, you know, we're we have you, know, you have your own isolated independent router that's running and you can connect that BGP to cloud co-location and new product we're coming out with yet. It's not out. It's going to be out in 2 weeks. I know cuz earlier you said you know, what does this do for the branch office is that we're jumping on the uh, the IPsec bandwagon. And so we will have a uh, IPsec VPN connectivity too. So you can now connect your cloud, your branch, your co-location all together, layer three. And it's got a beautiful, you know, of course, UI and API on it. So you don't even have to worry about the details of BGP anymore. You know, you're just, you're going to fill in a couple inputs, you know, it's like, two screens and you're going to hit connect and then it's going to go ahead and build that BGP session with the cloud or the router at your co-location can do the IP sec tunnel throughout your, at your branch office. And then all those things will be connected layer three. Mm, boy, there's, there's, there's a lot here. Now, if I got a layer two service from you, oh, I got to back up and ask a question first. You talked about a port. So if I get a layer two service of some flavor from packet fabric, well, there is no port i mean i'm right so what am i plugging into how am i connecting so for for the layer two services those all all require an, an actual port so you're you know you're in a um it requires a port somewhere i should say that not necessarily yours mm -hmm. but you, you are going to ultimately be terminating that you know to a port so it's say that you're in equinix 
San Jose, for yep. example. You have some co-location, you, know, you, have, you have a rack there in Equinix San Jose, and you're like, well, I need to connect to Google, and I want to connect to Linode, and I also want to get some application speed up from Microsoft. And so you would order a port with Packet Fabric, you would run a cross connect to that port, and then you could build all of those layer two services. So you would build mm. a connection to Google, you would build a connection to Microsoft, and then what did I even say was the third one? I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so you, you would build three different layer two connections on three different VLANs from that port yeah. and, and have all that. And that's really centered more around you know, the, the co-location universe, the cloud router, the layer three products, that centered more around the cloud native um, branch office universe. Those are all just BGP based. We already have all the underlying connectivities, you know, set up to the cloud providers everywhere. Like we've already, we've already done the hard part. We've already run the cross connects. We've already mm -hmm. done all that. So all you're doing is building BGP session over to the cloud providers and, you know, getting, getting the routes, the IP addresses that you're actually going to use from, mm -hmm. from the cloud and, that's it. Then you have a path there. You know, same thing with connecting branches over IPsec. So just gotcha. like serverless is made up of servers, it turns out networking with packet fabric is made up of ports. There's ports Hashtag involved. Networkless. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm assuming if it's a layer two service, you don't care what I push over that thing. Uh, so I could do IPv4 traditionally, of course, but also IPv6. Yeah. So, so let's extend that then. L2 straightforward enough, but what about L3, the cloud router service and BGP? Is IPv6 supported? It is, it is supported with some provider. I think Google has full v6 support. It, it gets sketchy when you get into the cloud providers and what they support and, and what they mean by yes. support, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's always in quotations, always in air quotes, supporters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, again, back to the snowflake thing is, you know, this is why it's kind of nice to have somebody to deal with that for you, um, because we'll we will allow V6 where it is allowed and supported and not allow it where it is not allowed and supported. Um, and I don't like off the top of my head, I can't remember which clouds it is, but there's a huge different. I mean, there's a huge range of yes. IP uh, V6 support in there. Yeah, we mm. did a show on uh, on some of that with uh, with a with an AWS networking human uh, not yeah. all that long ago. It goes back a few months, Ned, but uh, that yeah. was that was with uh, Nick uh, Matthews, I think. Yeah, he, we talked about where that was heading. But from a packet fabric perspective, just you know, let alone the endpoints and what you're connecting to, but from a packet fabric perspective, if it's supported on the other end, you support it too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's 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 kind of big stuff. Um, if you're um so obviously you're running on some sort of shared systems if i'm getting a port from you other ports are dedicated to other tenants uh, but is it always a single physical port is dedicated to a specific tenant or is it sometimes ports are shared across tenants like what's your approach to handing handling multi-tenancy in your environment so some ports are like all of the customer owned ports are single tenant obviously because mm -hmm. they are they're customer owned we do have multi-tenancy on the ports that face cloud providers. Um, you can do like, we have two flavors of that. So we call it hosted and dedicated. Dedicated means that the port facing the cloud provider is entirely dedicated to you and you alone. 
it provides like several different advantages. Like you can run um, a ton of VLANs over that. Like if you have a uh, hundred VPCs, which, you know, we do see that use case where people have hundreds of VPCs and you need a separate VLAN to go into every single VPC, you can have a dedicated hundred gig port into your cloud provider and, you know, set up 400 different VLANs to go to each VPC. So that's a great option for that. Where multi-tenancy comes in is in our hosted product. And that's where you're just getting a single virtual circuit, aka a single VLAN into your into your cloud provider. And we run those. So we have a shared port facing the cloud provider and multiple customers are run across that. And everyone's isolated in their own VLAN. So you know it's still you know very private, safe, secure, all that. But that's the that's probably the biggest case of multi-tenancy. And so that applies for both the layer two, like the hybrid cloud product, and then also the layer three cloud router product is that you would be going across one of those multi-tenant ports. So if I, if, if I have an auditor come in the door, they can have all this information from Packet Fabric and understand exactly how the, the multi-tenancy is being delivered and the different yep. security mechanisms are in play, all of which sound yep. very standard and very normal for any kind of a service provider network. So. Uh, we had talked about uh, latency earlier, and uh, that came up. You know, if I needed to craft a path that had you know predictable characteristics for TCP transport, so okay, does that mean the link you provide because you've just got so much bandwidth, I know it's going to be predictable, or does that mean, hey, if I set DSCP values and hand you my very precious traffic that I need handled oh so specially, you're going to honor that and do magic to uh, to, to carry it in a special way? So no, we're not going to do any sort. We're not going to do any sort of inspection like that, and and honor and and uh, and we're not going to look at your traffic in that way. Yeah. Um, we are we are going to introduce um, some features here later on this year uh, around QoS, so that you can set you know like probably something. Um, you know, this is still something that we're working on, but it's a it's a common request that we've heard. You know, like a tricolor marking type you know, QoS support. So that's, um, that would be the type of special traffic handling that we would do. <laughs> and, and, and could you actually do that? I mean, let, so if that's a feature that's been added, you know, let's say I hand you, you know, EF mark traffic or, you know, AF41 for video or whatever the value is, you could prescribe a path that's going to give me low loss, low jitter kind of a thing. Ooh, now, now you're getting now you're getting into the really into the really crazy stuff. So this is some of the stuff that we are thinking about. And I don't want to go too like too deep into it because this is a lot of our special, this is a lot of our special sauce here. But obviously, since we've, you know, we design, you know, we control our entire network. We write our own software with something like say segment routing. Mm-hmm. We can start doing these types of things to get really creative. Like if you like, if say that you only want your traffic to run through a particular country, you can start to do things like that. Or say that you want some of your traffic to take a very particular path according to latency flavor. We can start to do things like that. But you need a controller and you need something that knows the condition of the global network end to end kind of a big deal. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you say SR, are we talking SR MPLS in your case or SRV6? Um, we're talking SR MPLS in our okay. case. Okay, that, that makes sense from the other things you just said about the network. 
Yeah. Mm, yeah. So PCE controller shove a bunch of tags on there based on dynamic changing conditions. Oh, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. That's a lot of automation, uh-huh. especially if you got a bunch of people taking you up on that tricolor offer. We we have a we have a lot of really smart people in our R and D group. <laughs> so so the question then is, do you really need to offer that, or is your backbone just so massive with bandwidth that? Offering the services is in a sense pointless because you've just got that much pipe to move traffic around predictably. I mean, it, it's both, right? Because, you know, on one hand, we do have, you know, we do have a huge amount of bandwidth. You know, it's like 40 terabytes now, or it's probably more, you know, it's more than the last time that I even looked. So we do have just a, a huge amount of bandwidth available. And we also like the way we build the network is that we have a minimum of two diverse paths out of every, you know, single co-location facility that we're in. So, um, mm. and in most cases, it's many more, you know, can be up to five different, you know, fiber paths out of there. So, you know, fiber cuts and things like that. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's a BFD you know, timer, yep. a 50 millisecond, you know, away from a reroute. And so it's like, you don't mind a little bit of variation and you're not particularly choosy over, you know, if you, there's not something you need to avoid with your network traffic, yeah. then yeah, the, the network works flawlessly, beautifully. You know, we really don't go down. It takes a huge, a huge event, you know, multiple, multiple fiber cuts for anything bad to happen. Mm. But there are obviously cases who are more selective about, you know, where their traffic goes or they need a, they need a fixed latency, especially in like video or, um, games you know there's a lot of use cases out there like that yeah but but that is pretty specialized you know those customers that need that uh, i get that but some of them are big enough that yeah maybe you do want to offer that feature because they're going to pay for it so yes yes yeah when you need something like that you need it (laughs) so yeah there's there's a good case to do to to do creative things like that and you did answer the other part of the question, which is physical redundancy. You've got multiple egress points coming out of each of your pops, so you yes. could do the traffic engineering if you if you really wanted to add that yeah yeah we we absolutely could um you know we've kind of been blessed in a way, I guess, in that we are so over provisioned with capacity is that you know we can get a little lazy and you know just sort of shove everything over the most optimal path all the time. But that is, you know, we do have like, we have some really pretty sweet, like in-house written capacity management tools that go through and look at the entire network at all times. And we can run, we can run failure scenarios, actually, like taking down individual links and see how that will impact everything. Mm -hmm. So we have really cool stuff available, but, uh, you know, in order to, we, we haven't really gotten to exercise it to its fullest yet. Are you doing any fancy routing today or traffic engineering um, beyond the, you know, the modeling you were just describing? Like, or are you just doing, you know, straight up IGP, uh, BGP on top MPLS? Uh, yep. Yep. Just, yeah. IGP, MPLS. Yep. Okay. So nothing, nothing, nothing incredibly fancy there yet. <laughs> we are running SR on all of our edges. Like it is like we, we are running it and we're starting to experiment with a lot of the stuff that we just talked about. So. Oh, well, if you have, I mean. That's a big step if you've already gotten that far uh, to have yeah. SR. Mm, okay, interesting. This isn't yeah. This isn't pie in the sky. It's more the just the, no. the yeah yeah. It's definitely not pie in the sky. I mean, it's something that we've been seriously like in terms of evolution of our network. Like we move incredibly fast. Like I'm actually like. Uh, you know, most most service providers. You know, you still have uh, you know, Cisco GSR running in there from like. <laughs> 
1990 or whenever they were last manufactured, but we use multiple vendors, you know, for yeah. everything, you know, so, uh, cause it's just a software integration, you know, every new vendor is just software integration away. Oh, you so fancy. I know. <laughs> you just, you just said something so big there. We just, oh, another vendor's just an integration away. That says so much <laughs> about your platform on the back end and what you've done to facilitate that because multi-vendor in that environment is really hard because of the processes and the automation typically tied to a vendor, maybe two vendors. If you're just like, eh, we got an abstraction layer pretty much. We just do whatever. Yeah. We do. We have a super elegant abstraction layer and all we're doing is plugging in you know, we're just plugging in on the back end the exact RPC commands or API or whatever, or, you know, whatever the vendor is that they actually support, you know, we're just plugging that in. Um, and so it really is just a module away. <laughs> <laughs> it's trivial, really. <laughs> it's trivial, she says. <laughs> our automation, though, is what gives our customers, you know, the supreme benefit of you know, having that same automation that they can put to work for them. Hmm. Like that's sort of the big drawback of networking services, right? There's no API that exists where you can play around with things and spin things up and down. You know, your your DevOps crew can't put something in Ansible or Terraform to do that until now. You know, that's like, then that was one of the huge benefits of cloud computing is that it became more of a playground too, where you could experiment with things and try things. And now you can do that with the network through, through Packet Fabric. You know, you have an API. API to start playing with and experimenting with and, you know, doing some of these things that were previously, you know, pie in the sky, like bandwidth on demand, you know, mm. tuning bandwidth up and down, you know, to a cloud provider, for example, like that's now possible. One thing I wanted to ask about is we, we've talked about how there's some automation available for for your uh, services. It's not just going to the UI clicky clicky and, and it's not necessarily a CLI. So what are my automation options? Do I do this through Python? Is there something for Terraform? Like, give, me, give me some options here. Yeah, so uh, that's, that, that's the great thing. That's a great thing about a nice REST-based API, right? Is the, you have all <laughs> the options. Um, so since we do a lot of Python and, and we do a lot of Python internally, um, we have uh, Python code examples available on GitHub. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't fight, we don't quite have a full SDK yet. We would like to, but we don't. <laughs> so, um, we have, you know, those code examples available. Uh, it's pretty easy to plug into, you know, for the, for the SRE DevOps crew. Um, it's pretty easy to plug the API into Ansible and Terraform. Oh, that's the cool thing we have coming out. We actually have an, an API cookbook. We have a Python API cookbook coming out. Mm. That's going to walk through a ton of different examples of how to do things. Um, and it's in this really cool Google tool that I'm blanking on the name of now, but basically it has all the code and you can run it and step through it actually like the code in a web browser. And it's mm. super cool. Okay. So lots of different options. If I just want to go directly against the API, I've got that available to me, but I've got some other options as well. And it sounds like you're, you're building out quite a, a catalog. Uh, I'd love to see that SDK at some point, but like, I know yeah. that that's a big investment. <laughs> that's it, yes, it, it, it is. And I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? Is ultimately we have the same, the whole same suite of tools available, like any SaaS providers API, you go there, you know, you're just clicking on, you know, you're just looking at different, you know, different flavors of code examples and in your language of choice. And, um, you know, that's what the network becomes is, mm -hmm. you know, it's the whole, you know, the whole network to code movement 
And this is the, this is, I mean, this is it, you know, if, if you want your WAN to be code and this is how it happens. Yeah. I mean, there's a big move to, to have like an automation pipeline that's responsible for deploying and maintaining your network environment and your cloud environments on a rolling basis and keeping everything in in source control and and then doing it through something (laughs) like GitOps. I'm throwing a lot of buzzwords out here. I, I, (laughs) like the whole CI CD, you know, everything's, you know, everything's CI CD now, right. You know, in in your CI CD pipeline and now for the first, for the first time, your network can be part of that CI CD pipeline. Like it's, uh, it's not controlled by people with fax machines. It is an API. You can, (laughs) (laughs) you can integrate that. Wherever you want. You're taking me back to the days when I used to work for an ISP and I did a lot of domain registrar stuff and I was having to fax things on company letterhead over to network solutions to migrate a domain and stuff like that. Oh, it was, it was, it sucked back then. And that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Like my first job in high school was maintaining frame relay, like all the frame relay and ISDN lines for a bank, you know, with a ton of branches. And so, yeah, that would like, Oh man, I was on the phone so so much with them and and faxing things and yeah, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> well, Anna, um, I, I, Ned and I, I think we've gotten through our questions that we had for you and had a fantastic conversation. Is there anything about packet fabric that we didn't know to ask that you want to brag about or that you think is super cool and you want to highlight? Do we have another hour? <laughs> <laughs> Like I could go on. I mean, I could talk forever about our internal technology because it it really is. It really well, is that cool. Um, let's do a forward looking thing then. Is there a roadmap of, of features that are coming? Something like what's the next few things that are coming that you're super excited about? So there's a lot that I'm excited about. Um, and there's also a lot that my that our marketing department will probably kill me if <laughs> I get into it. But the one that I can say, the one that I can, I, I did already mention it before and I'll mention it again because it is it is imminent here in the next two weeks is our, you know, VPN, IPsec VPN uh, connectivity, you know, bringing that to cloud routers. So, uh, you know, it's your basic nice site to site VPN. So you can bring all of your branches into the connectivity ecosystem to do things like, you know, connect the cloud to your branch in at least the best way possible. So you're offloading that traffic off the internet, off that IPsec VPN as quick as possible, getting onto a private backbone and, and directly into the cloud provider. So, you know, you're, you are stabilizing the connection and reducing the cost of the connection for those branch offices all at once. So. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Excellent. And we're recording this. Yeah, this is this the show. You're, if you're listening to this, it should have come out the 4th of August. And that means very soon that uh, that service is going to be ready and available to you. So, Anna, if people want to find out more about Packet Fabric, where would you send them? www.packetfabric.com. Packetfabric.com. Okay. And uh, now if I'm a, if I'm a little company, Anna, is Packet Fabric just not for me? It's really just for big companies or can anybody use Packet Fabric? Give me the range of appropriate customers. That, I mean, that's one of the fabulous things about network, just like compute. It applies to everybody. You know, there, there is no, there's no such thing as too small a use case or too big a use case. You know, whether you just, if you need 50 megs to Amazon or you need, uh, a terabyte of backbone connectivity for spanning, you know, Europe and U.S. 
both those use cases equally valid for our network. And they'll both, you know, come with a, a nice API where you can do everything really fast. <laughs> and you personally, Anna, are you uh, too busy coding or are you uh, public on the internet where people could follow you on Twitter or something? Maybe you've got a blog or a book you want to talk about. I wish I had time for that. <laughs> I, also, I also wish that I was still coding. It's been like about a year, uh, I think, since I've done any coding, unfortunately. Um, but no, I don't really have like, I mo like pretty much everything is um, right now, you know, I'm investing heavily in you know, creating the next generation of packet fabric products so that, you know, we can do something even more revolutionary uh, for the network and um, bring it out of the dark ages. <laughs> well, Anna Claiborne, uh, founder at Packet Fabric, thank you very much for being our guest today on Day 2 Cloud. If you're listening, Packet Fabric's all over the interwebs. You can find them again at packetfabric.com. They got a blog. They're on Twitter at Packet Fabric. You can find them on LinkedIn. They got a YouTube channel. Just Google the things. You know how to find them from there. And our thanks to Packet Fabric for sponsoring Day 2 Cloud. Virtual high fives to you for tuning in. If you visit Packet Fabric, tell them you heard about it on Day 2 Cloud, part of the Packet Pushers podcast network. Work. If you have suggestions for future shows, Ned and I are listening. You can hit either of us up on Twitter at Day2CloudShow or fill out the form on Ned's fancy and newly redesigned website, NedInTheCloud.com. And if you like engineering-oriented shows like this one, because we know you do, visit PacketPushers.net slash subscribe. All of our podcasts, newsletters, and websites are there. It is nerdy content designed for your professional career development. And until then, just remember that cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans. Mm -hmm.